Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recap Season 1, where we are recapping all 67 episodes of Game of Thrones in preparation for the airing of Season 8, uh, presumably starting around April of next year at this point, we have learned is the assumed start time for it now. Uh, but we are on Season 6, Episode 6, Blood of my blood, moving ever so closer to the end of our recap run. Uh, we'll begin our plot recap for this episode in the far north, beyond the wall, where uh, Mira is pulling Bran through the snow as he experiences a rush of many visions, uh, that which we will discuss in more depth later, uh, but... Uh, you know, he sees uh, some important things uh, to open this episode. He sees, you know, he sees some historical events that we are familiar with historically uh, that happened before the show started. We, he sees some things from earlier in our show run. And he also sees a couple things that are uh, in the future. I will not, of course, explain which is which, or there's no point to watch a couple of the future episodes, or at least parts of those. Uh, but he sees the wildfire stores underneath King's Landing. Uh, he sees, uh, I couldn't really figure out which it was, but given how the shot looked and the sky around it, he's seen either uh, when Tyrion saw uh, Drogon flying over the ruins of Old Valyria, or a dragon flying over King's Landing. I was not certain as to which. Uh, Mad King Ares Targaryen uh, ordering the city to be burnt near the end of Robert's Rebellion. Uh, he sees the Night King raising the dead at Hardhome. He sees himself falling from the Broken Tower back in the series premiere. Uh, the Fist of the First Men deserted. Uh, his mother's death at the Red Wedding. Uh, a dragon flying again. Uh, Daenerys birthing her dragons, a the baby being turned into a White Walker that we saw back in Season 4, I believe. Uh, his father's death at the Great Sept of Baelor back in Season 1. Uh, the Fist of the First Men again. Ravens attacking uh, Sam and Gilly back in Season 2. Uh, wildfire being prepared back with uh, the Reign of the Mad King. Ares giving the order to burn the city. A wildfire explosion, uh, Jamie killing Ares Targaryen and becoming the Kingslayer. Uh, Ned Stark asking about Lyanna Stark's location back at the Tower of Joy. Uh, somebody's bloodied hand, uh, his brother Rob Stark's death at the Red Wedding. A raven flying through the woods, maybe somewhere in the Riverlands or in the Vale. Uh, Leaf creating the Night King. Uh, the White Walker death at the Battle of Hardhome, Jamie Lannister sitting upon the throne after killing Ares, uh, wildfire explosion, Whites breaking through the gate at Hardhome, uh, the Army of Dead seeing Bran in his vision back a cup back uh, last episode, uh, White Walkers marching towards the mountains heading south out of the lands of Always Winter. Uh, the Night King observing Hardhome, and last but not least, Bran sees himself being touched by the Night King again. 
so he sees some very important things in there that we will see later on in the show. Uh, the Whites then catch up after pursuing Bran and Mira from uh, the Great Weirwood Tree Cavern. And um, just as all appears hopeless as Mira is unable to wage any kind of combative effort against the Whites, a mysterious rider appears, attacks the Whites with a sickle and a flaming flail. Uh, the Whites are dealt with. He urges Mira and Bran to come with him as the dead don't rest and they escape on horseback. Later, they reach relative safety. Mira asks the stranger why he helped them. He reveals that the Three-Eyed Raven sent him and the Three-Eyed Raven lives again as Bran awakens and the writer reveals himself to be who else but... Benjamin Stark, who we have not seen since the series premiere, maybe was in episode two. I don't recall off the top of my head perfectly on that front. Uh, but who we've not seen since the very early days of the show. Uh, who ex And he explains how he has come to be in the condition he is in, that he was stabbed uh, in the gut by a White Walker sword as he led a ranging party far north to seek out the White Walkers to uh, find the truth behind their existence uh, and was left to die. But the children of the forest found him and stopped the magic that would turn him into a white. How did they stop this magic? Same way you create a white walker, stabbed through the heart with a piece of dragon glass. And he also explains to Bran that he must now be the three-eyed raven and that when the White Walkers come to the realms of men, that Bran will be awaiting them. He'll be ready to combat the White Walkers in some form. Uh, we will continue south to King's Landing, where uh, Tommen is meeting with the High Sparrow about the impending Walk of Atonement for Queen Marjorie. Uh, the High Sparrow does offer Tommen to allow him to see her. Tommen enters Marjorie's cell and is surprised to find her speaking positively about the High Sparrow uh, and admitting to her sins, including her vanity, about being seen to help the poor and needy. Uh, he also finds himself to be in agreement with Marjorie on her feelings toward the High Sparrow. Later, Lord Mace Tyrell, Marjorie's father, leads an army through the streets of King's Landing to awaiting Jamie Lannister. They go to the Great Sept of Baylor to uh, bring an end to Marjorie's Walk of Atonement before it can begin. This is the plan they uh, discussed a couple episodes previously that they are now executing. Uh, but the High Sparrow refuses to hand over Marjorie uh, and Loras peacefully uh, as... Uh, they are not being forced to make a Walk of Atonement today as the High Sparrow has come to an agreement that Marjorie will return to the Red Keep unharmed without having to make a Walk of Atonement of any kind. Loras will stay behind here at the Great Sept as he has not uh, confessed to his sins yet and he has not brought someone else into the light of the Seven as we learn that who else but... King Tommen is now a willing servant of the faith. And essentially, the High Sparrow has now gained control of 
the Iron Throne of the Seven Kingdoms in a beautifully executed political maneuver from the High Sparrow. <laughs> yes. Uh, the general public gathered around, burst into cheers as they learn of this newfound arrangement. Uh, Lady Elena, Mace, Jamie, Cersei, all not thrilled with this new development at all in the slightest. Uh, later, Tommen forces Jamie to retire from the King's Guard, very similar to what Joffrey did to Barristan Selmy back earlier. Uh, and he does decide that Jamie can still be of use to the crown, just not here in King's Landing or as part of the King's Guard. He is to go to River Run to help the Freys retake the castle from Brendan Tully, the Blackfish. Uh, later, Jamie and Cersei discuss these new orders that Jamie has received to go to River Run. Uh, but Jamie is not planning to do that. He instead intends to go find Bronn and pay him whatever Bronn wishes to find whatever killers Bronn can to march into the Great Sept, kill the High Sparrow and all of the other sparrows gathered, all members of the Faith Militant. Uh, Cersei, uh, knowingly, as it appears she has some sort of a plan being put into action here, uh, states that, Jamie, no, you should go to River Run, show everyone how easily a Lannister can take a castle as to attack the High Sparrow and the Faith Militant would result in your death and destroy everything. We are working for uh, Keeley. Cersei does not need Jamie here to be in the city for her trial, as it will be a trial by combat. Uh, she reassures Jamie that they will defeat all their enemies and he departs from the capital. Uh, we will continue. Uh, we'll go... Uh, well, actually, we're going to head back north because I forgot something for a moment. Uh, up at the Twins, Walder Frey has returned to grace our screens for the first time since the direct aftermath of the Red Wedding. Uh, he ha receives word that River Run has been recaptured by the Blackfish. Uh, he blames his sons for allowing Brendan Tully to escape the Red Wedding. Uh, and he informs them that uh, Jamie Lannister will be on his way to help them retake River Run, uh, but that uh, he we shouldn't need them as uh, we have our own tool here to get quick surrender. As who actually got married at the Red Wedding, but Lord Edmure Tully, current Lord of River Run, technically, uh, will has been held prisoner by the phrase. So, Walder's going to have Edmure Tully go to River Run and presumably request that uh, the Blackfish stand down as uh, Lord of River Run. Uh, so, Edmure Tully is also back as he has been held captive by the phrase for three plus years. Also, was off filming Outlander mostly, uh, <laughs> was also why he was not in the show for this long. Uh, so now we will continue from the Twins. We're going to go southeast, but most, well, technically southeast as well from King's Landing to, uh, we're going to the Reach, the realm of the Tyrells, but we're going to Horn Hill, House of the Tullys, or not the Tullys, the Tarleys. <laughs> the Tarleys. The Tarleys, not the Tullys. We're not House going to Tarley. River Run. We're going to Horn Hill, where we meet... House Tarly. Yes, we meet 
great Father of the Year nominee, Lord Randall Tarley, forerunner in the great name competition, Dickon Tarley, uh, among other wonderful folks such as Lady Melissa Tarley and Sister Tala Tarley to Sam. Uh, Sam has brought Gilly and baby Sam to Horn Hill. Uh, the plan is, obviously, that Gilly and baby Sam will stay here in Horn Hill while Sam goes to train to be a maester in Old Town at the Citadel. Uh, you know, the uh, Melissa and Tala quickly take a great liking to Gilly and the baby as well. Uh, later, they all have dinner alongside Father of the Year, Randall Tarley, and Dickon. Uh, Sam, uh, you know, discusses his plans to become a maester and eventually return to Castle Black. Randall is not thrilled in the slightest that Sam is going to be a maester as, you know, studying books is not a very helpful thing in the world of combat and a militaristic strategy that Randall uh, finds himself in 99% of the time. Uh... And, you know, eventually through some not careful uh, dialogue, uh, we learn, or Randall learns, that, oh, Gilly is from north of the wall. Gilly is a free folk. Uh, and uh, Randall does not take uh, very kindly to that and uh, does say, fine, Gilly can stay. We'll watch the baby and you will leave by morning, or you will be dead, basically, Sam. So, uh, Sam agrees mostly to this from Randall, uh, and he goes uh, and informs Gilly of this newfound arrangement that he'll be leaving within the next few hours to go to Old Town. Uh, but he quickly decides that that is not actually what we're going to do. Uh, Gilly and baby Sam are going to go with Samwell to Old Town instead, and also Keeley, they take the ancestral sword of House Tarly, the Valerian steel sword, Heartsbane, along with them. Uh, we will now head uh, east over to Essos, and we will begin up in Bravos, where Arya is watching the second half of the play. Uh, that she saw the first half of last episode. Uh, this half concerning the events after Ned Stark's execution as well as the Red Wedding, uh, beginning with Joffrey's death at his own wedding. Uh, Arya and the audience, both Keeley learn that uh, the audiences in Essos, or at least in Bravos, appear to be somewhat sympathetic to Cersei's uh, cause to Cersei Lannister in some way. Uh, Arya sneaks backstage and poisons Lady Crane's rum, uh, carrying out the Order of the Faceless Men. Um, but Lady Crane finds her after she has poisoned the rum, and the two discuss, uh, you know, why Arya's back here, and they find out that they have much in common, the two do, uh, Arya suggests that uh, to Lady Crane that that final speech that you give as Cersei is a bit out of character to the real Cersei Lannister, which is true. Most uh, of the actions in this play are uh, that Cersei would not be 
grief-stricken and in tears. She would instead be outraged and out for vengeance upon whoever murdered her son. Uh, Lady Crane compliments her again, impressed by Arya's knowledge and insight, and asks if Arya enjoys pretending to be someone else. Apparently uh, uncomfortable at what she has done or unsettled by the question, Arya quickly makes an excuse and leaves. Uh, later, Lady Crane argues with Isambaro, one of the fellow actors, about improving the script, and as she is about to drink her rum, Arya sprints back in, knocks it out of her hand, and warns Lady Crane that Bianca wants her dead before running out. Unknown to Arya, uh, the waif has been observing her backstage, witnesses this exchange, and reports back to Jokin Hagar, asking for permission to kill Arya. Jokin agrees, but warns her not to let Arya suffer in her death. Uh, meanwhile, Arya goes and retrieves Needle, uh, presumably as she is no longer has the desire to become a faceless man and is once more returning to embrace her destiny and identity as Lady Arya Stark in Winterfell, of Winterfell. Uh, we will continue eastward, nothing in marine this episode, so we will go northeast up to the great Dothraki Sea, where uh, Queen Daenerys Targaryen is riding with Daryo Naharis, as well as her newly acquired Kalasar of Dothraki. Uh, she asks Daryo how long it'll take to get back to marine, is told, oh, a week or more at this point. Also, how many ships it will, will be needed to carry her army across the narrow sea. Uh, at least a thousand, if not more, to take all of the Unsullied, all the Dothraki, all of the Second Sons, as well as all of the royal party across the narrow sea to Westeros. Pondering this, Danny tells the Kalasar to halt as she rides ahead, uh, and she finds who else awaiting her but... Drogon is out there somewhere. She mounts Drogon, uh, off-screen mounts Drogon, flies back and gives a rousing speech to her Kalasar, naming all of the Dothraki her blood riders, breaking the traditional three blood riders by giving her 100,000 blood riders who will all sail across the Black Salt Sea on the great wooden horses to kill the men in iron suits and tear down their stone houses. And that is where this episode ends. So, what do you have to add? What questions do you have at this point that I'll do my best to answer? Uh, or any additional observations you might have at this point? Okay. Whew. Well, let's see. Brian's flashback, or flash forward, or whatever mm -hmm. that's called. His visions. Mm-hmm. They went through them pretty quick. I did not pause and go back and look at them, uh, you know, in slow mo to see all mm -hmm. of what they were. Uh, but there were a lot of them. Um, I'm sure some of them, I'm pretty sure that some were not in the show so far, or they were not in the show in the first six and a half seasons. But many of them were, so. I assume the rest of those that weren't will be in the future, but we don't, well, you might know, but I don't know for <laughs> sure. Um, 
Yeah, so Bran, uh, let's see, I think that's about it. Oh, and Bran must now be the Three-Eyed Raven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure how that works. So, uh, how Bran, how he can be the three I don't know how that works. Uh, okay, at Horn Hill, yes, like you said, uh, Father of the Year candidate, but in this show, that is not unusual, I think. Most of these fathers are uh, pretty sad. A lot of them are. So, <laughs> nothing new on that front, for sure. Uh, and the good naming of their children. Boy. What a, what a country, city, what a, what a world they live in. Uh, Let's see, Gilly. Yes, I like her. She's she'll probably turn out to be some special person. Uh, so they're headed back. Oh yeah, I think it's probably a pretty good idea that they took Heartsbane, taking that sword, and will probably turn out to be a really good idea. I'm guessing. Well, it is Valerian Steel, which is very important, as we know. Yes. Uh, the characters are not yet aware of this, mostly, or John and Sam might be. Uh, or probably are, since they know Valyrian Steel kills White Walkers, but yes. no one else really does at this point. <laughs> Just know Valyrian Steel's a cool-looking metal is really all the other characters know. Yeah, so I'm guessing that's going to turn out to be a good ideal. Uh, the other one that's probably, I don't know if it's going to be a good ideal, is where King Toman and the High Sparrow have forged an elite allegiance here. Mm. I'm not sure if that will turn out <laughs> to be a good ideal, but uh, we'll see on that front. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and Cersei, I don't know the, uh, they're gonna take, recapture River Run. Yes. Uh, so, huh. Okay, we'll see how that works out. And since, well, maybe they did say that it will be a trial by combat, and she thinks the mountain, of course, will be unbeatable. Uh, and maybe they did say that's exactly what it was going to be, but I don't recall that they said it exactly. Uh, maybe they to told her off screen or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm guessing... Uh, it may not turn out to be a trial by combat because that's what she's thinking it's going to be. Or did they actually say it was going to be that? Well, Cersei says she's going to demand one. Oh, which she's going to demand one. Since she is queen mother, technically she should get that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, since she is in yeah. a position of power, she should be granted that technically. But okay. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, just going to guess that they will not allow that or something. Aren't they won't allow the mountain to be her champion? Uh, we'll see, I guess. Um, yes, Arya apparently has decided not to be the part of the faceless men. Man, men. Uh, but, so another long absence is rekindled here when Needle reappears. Needle has been gone for a while. And as you said way up at the start, that 
other person since mm -hmm. the first or second episode. Yes. Benjamin Stark is back. Uh, and I like Needle myself, so Needle would probably be my sword of choice. Mm. Believe it or not. <laughs> um, so at the Twins, Walder Frey receives word that River Run is lost. So it's been overtaken by someone else already. And now Jamie is going to come and take it back again, I guess. Or is this saying that Jamie has already taken it back? I don't think so, right? Well, no, since Frey explicitly states the Blackfish has taken it. The Blackfish has taken it. Okay. Uh, okay, I didn't write that down. Ah. Um, okay. So we'll see who takes over River Run, apparently. Will it be Jamie? And then, yes, Daenerys. Boy, I don't have too many questions. See, they, they do a good job on this stuff nowadays. Um, but Daenerys with a, her 100,000 blood riders. Yeah. Well, they still have to get across the sea. That is correct. They can't, I mean, the dragon's going to fly them over one or two at a time. Um, no, they're going to take boats. They're going to take boats still. That's what the whole discussion was of how um, many ships she will need. So they're still, they still need, and if they have 100,000, I can't imagine they're going to get 1,000 people and stuff on each ship and stuff. So I would think it would take well more than a thousand ships. Well, that's Dario's estimate. They'll need a thousand is his estimate. I'm guessing they need a little more than that, unless they're really big ships. Uh, they might be. I don't know. And the ships I've seen in the series so far, you don't get a thousand people on those ships. Uh, so these are going to be really special ships. So we'll see how that works out. Um... And yes, she she was very fine uh, looking on top of her dragon, uh, Drogon. Looked really good. Uh, they did that part very well. Um, that's it for me. I don't have anything else. All right. Uh, well, we're in season six, which, as we know, is by and large beyond the scope of the books. But there is still some parts coming from the book. So which parts are those? Well, uh, from A Storm of Swords, the uh, third novel, uh, chapter 60, Tyrion 8, uh, the phrase, March to Conquer River Run. From A Feast for Crows, the fourth novel, chapter 27, Jamie 3, Jamie is given an order to take River Run from the Blackfish. Jamie believes he needs to stay in King's Landing, but Cersei convinces him to go take River Run back. Uh, from the following chapters of A Dance with Dragons, the fifth novel, chapter 13, Bran 2, Cold Hands fights the Whites that attack Bran and his escorts. Chapter 54, Cersei 1, the Tyrell army is brought into King's Landing. The High Sparrow agrees to free Queen Marjorie, although she is still to await a trial, much like Cersei. Chapter 71, Danny 10. Danny decides her home was in Westeros, not Marine, and that she will follow the path of fire and blood to arrive there. Of course, the remaining material is presumably to come in this as of yet unpublished sixth novel, The Winds of Winter, such as Are You Leaving the Faceless Men, Samwell going to Horn Hill, Bran fleeing from the Three-Eyed Raven's Cave, and perhaps encountering Benjen. We'll see. 
uh, King's Landing and the Holy Alliance between the Crown and the Faith, and Danny heading back to Marine with the Dothraki in tow. So from those chapters, what is different between them and this adaptation of them? Well, the true identity of the mysterious person who saves Bran and Mira and his other escorts, known as Cold Hands, has yet to be revealed in the books. It has been speculated that it is to be Benjamin Stark, though George R. R. Martin has denied this fact. As of the end of A Dance with Dragons, Benjamin's fate is still unknown to this point, as is the identity of Cold Hands. Uh, Cold Hands also makes his first appearance much earlier in the novel when he saves Sam and Gilly from Whites. Cold Hands does not use a sickle and a flaming flail to fight the Whites, but a sword. Uh, Sam and Gilly do not travel straight to Old Town, but stop in Bravos first, where Sam meets Arya. From there, they travel to Old Town with Maester Aemon, who passes away during the voyage. At Old Town, Sam goes to the Citadel first. By the point the books have reached, he has yet to bring Gilly and the baby to Horn Hill. He does intend to do that later. Uh, Randall Tarley is not at Horn Hill at the time Sam and Gilly arrive in Old Town, as he is currently in King's Landing. Uh, the baby Gilly carries is not her son, but is Mance Raider's son, which has been omitted from show continuity, uh, as John forced her to switch the babies, fearing that Mel would sacrifice Mance's son as he would have King's blood. Uh, Gilly's baby, who has not yet been given a name, remains a Castle Black to this point. Uh, there is no mentioning in the books that Randall Tarley intends to wed Tala to a member of House Fossaway, or to anyone else. There's no book character named Simon Fossaway either. Uh, Randall Tarley forced Sam to join the Night's Watch in order to deny him of his inheritance rights, uh, not to make him tougher or to kill the Free Folk. The former was given by Sam as his reason for taking the Black back in Season 1. There is no mentioning in the books that Randall Tarley dislikes the Free Folk in any way. Uh, Tommen does not visit Marjorie in prison. In fact, he has no idea that she has even been arrested. Uh, it also helps that Tommen's 12 in the books, uh, or like 10 or 11 or so, I forget off the top of my head. Uh, the Tyrells do not try to free Marjorie by force. The High Sparrow agrees to hand her and her cousins to Randall Tarley's custody. Tommen has nothing to do with this plot point at all in the books. Uh, Marjorie is not yet forced to perform her Walk of Atonement. Tommen does not join the Faith nor align himself with the High Sparrow in any way. Jamie is not dismissed from his office as Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Jamie is not reluctant to go to River Run. He is glad to get far from King's Landing in the company of the Lickspittles and Fools who surround Cersei. Arya does kill her first target for the Faceless Men by poisoning a coin as the man bites every coin to make sure they're not fake and continues her training, becoming an apprentice to a Faceless Man master. The she then is sent to Isambaro's theater. She has not yet been ordered to kill any of the actors or anyone else. Jamie never threatens the High Sparrow, nor does he contemplate assassinating him. Uh, Lame Lothar is not involved in the campaign of conquering Riverrun. Walder Rivers does participate, but it is Wyman Frey, Lord Frey's grandson, who commands the Frey force that marches on Riverrun. The Brotherhood Without Banners members do not rally the commoners against the Freys, 
nor do they raid the phrase supply trains and camps. They act independently. On a smaller scale, they hunt for lone frays and hang them. The Malisters and Blackwoods have not risen against the frays. They, uh, so far, have refused to yield to the Iron Throne, in contrast to many other lords of the Riverlands. Uh, but at the same time, they take no active actions against the phrase. And that is all of the differences between the chapters where this episode is adapted from and this adaptation of them. So, uh, on a rewatch, I have some, some quite a few notes for this uh, episode. Uh, firstly, Benjamin Stark has returned in some capacity, at least, here. Uh, this is a character known as Cold Hands in the books, whose identity is unknown, but is mostly assumed to be Benjamin, even though George has argued it is not. Uh, but uh, we mostly assume Cold Hands to be Benjamin, and the show gives us uh, that as a true plot point, basically. Uh, we see Horn Hill and get our first good look at the Reach in this episode. Uh, Talman is completely oblivious to pretty much everything involving politics. Uh, we learn he's not quite like Ned Stark levels of oblivious, but he's pretty bad uh, as far as political machinations go. Uh, Marjorie has mostly turned on Talman. Uh, and is simply using him for political gain at this point, much like she did Joffrey and Renly before him. Uh, being a lady of the manor is not very fitting for Gilly, as we see in her brief foray into that this episode, much like Arya Gilly is in this respect. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Randall Tarley, uh, during his great uh, dinner speech, does more or less explain Samwell's unusual role in this story, uh, he is technically correct, uh, although uh, that is sad to say. Uh, we are introduced to Heartsbane, the Valerian steel sword of the Tarly family. And Sam is taking baby Sam and Gilly along with him to Old Town. He also is now in possession of Heartsbane. Uh, King Joffrey, which doesn't really matter, uh, and Cersei are uh, seemingly sympathetic figures among the common folk of at least Bravos, if not maybe an even wider swath of land in Essos, potentially. Uh, Arya, we learn she has at least partially come to understand some of Cersei's motivations. Uh, whether or not she agrees with them is a different conversation, but she at least has uh, come to understand Cersei a little bit. Uh, Arya has decided not to kill Lady Crane and also to quit the Faceless Men. Jockin uh, gives the Waif permission to kill Arya, Marjorie has convinced Tommen to align himself with the High Sparrow and the Faith of the Seven. Uh, the common folk love this development. Uh, Jamie is forced out of the Kingsguard, much like Barristan Selmy, and is being sent elsewhere to River Run. Walder Frey is back in the Brotherhood Without Banners, is also apparently back as they get a mention in this episode. Uh, Edmure Tully also has returned. Cersei is clearly planning something to get rid of the High Sparrow. She has some plan. She's not laying it out to anyone yet, but she's clearly planning something to combat the High Sparrow. Uh, she also basically, in her conversation with Jamie, uh, we can assume she's basically resigned herself to the fact that uh, Tommen's a lost cause at this point for her, that it's basically just her and Jamie, and that's really it at this point. Um, we also learn a piece of dragonglass to the heart can stop you from turning into a white. Danny is 
finally ready to head to Westeros, and she has also become a rather skillful dragon rider so far. Uh, in the foreshadowing camp, uh, Bran's visions, some of it is, some of it's not. I'm not going to explain which is. Um, Tommen, while standing within the Great Set to Baylor, states that it just seems dangerous. Uh, Randall, about Samwell, your nose is buried in books. That it is, but Samwell finds some very important information in those books later on. Uh, Randall Tarley also about Sam. Uh, if he were to become Lord Tarley of Horn Hill. Uh, Randall about baby Sam states that the bastard will be raised here, presumably in secret. Mirrors of someone else? Oh, yes. Um, Gilly about Sam. He doesn't know what you are. Uh, Cersei is viewed in a sympathetic light in Braavos. I think this could be helpful for season eight, potentially. Uh, it really has no bearing on the future that has aired so far, but it could be important for season eight. Obviously, I have no clue on that front. Um, to die in service of the gods would be a great honor, but there's no need of it today, the High Sparrow states. Walter Frey, I'm not dead yet. Uh, Cersei to Jamie, better that you're elsewhere than in the Sept Dungeons. Uh, Cersei also, if you kill the High Sparrow, you won't leave the Sept alive. Uh, Cersei about her trial with the Sparrow, it'll be a trial by combat. Bran about his green sight powers, I can't control anything. Uh, one way or another, he will find his way to the world of men and you'll be waiting, ready for him. Benjen tells Bran about the Night King. Uh, and last but not least, uh, in the closing moments, we get a shot when Drogon flies in. We get an aerial shot from, like we're looking down from Drogon's eyes. We will see a similar shot like this again in Season 7 in another key dragon moment uh, coming in the future. Uh, that is all I have for this episode. Uh, so, that will do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the channel for more great content like this. And until the next episode, goodbye. <laughs>